Now that true crime has become an obsessively popular genre, it is no surprise that when people find out we are forensic scientists, we are met with an outpouring of questions. Did you work that recent homicide? Yo, what does decomp smell like? You must love your job, huh? It's through questions like these that we have come to realize that you want more. I'm Bodine. And I'm Darby, and we are here to serve up the Coffee Talk version of everything you need to know about the science, laws, and people behind the yellow tape. Welcome to the Washoe County Sheriff's Office. Coffee with a Criminalist. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Coffee with a Criminalist. Darby, why don't you tell our listeners who is fueling this episode? We are being fueled by Old World Coffee Lab, and today I am drinking their Old Pine Latte. Yeah, I got one as well. It's so good. Yeah, it's very, like, nutty, nutty, earthy, but then has, like, a little... I don't know, is it rosemary? I don't know what the taste is behind it, but it is so good. It has like an earthy flavor for sure. Mm -hmm. It was delicious. But um, Old World Coffee Lab is dedicated to the pursuit of quality in all things coffee. They seek to roast coffees in a way that respects and highlights the work that's put into them during the growing and processing stages. Yep, and you can find them down in Midtown uh, on California Avenue. If you haven't been, you guys are missing out. You should get there. And they are a roastery as well, so Mm -hmm. you can buy whole beans from them too. Yeah, very Mm -hmm. cool. And Bodine's the one that really came up with this idea for the podcast, so I'm going to let her explain where this idea came from. Yeah, so I, you know, I really love podcasts. Um, I listen to them quite often, and I remember listening to one of them and thinking, wow, it would be so cool if there was a podcast about forensics, but not geared towards forensic scientists, because I found a few of those. Those exist, Um, but more so that it would be geared towards the general public. And, you know, you and I have talked about it before that oftentimes when people find out that we're forensic scientists, we suddenly become like the most interesting person in the room and not because, you know, we're interesting, but because of what our job is. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, you know, it'd be kind of a, a neat idea to have a platform where we could answer the type of questions that we get often, you know, the popular questions that are thrown at us kind of all the time, but then also have a platform where we could educate and really explain what all we do um, and be very transparent and explain what it's like to be in this field. And I brought the idea up to the crime lab and through some collaboration with uh, the management team there and through the sheriff's office, we thought that the best way to bring this project forward would to be actually do it through the sheriff's office as the crime lab podcast. And so Coffee with a Criminalist was born in that way um and now we're here serving it up yeah and the idea was that it could be more of a conversation than a lecture i don't know if you touched on that yeah it'd be a little yeah Yeah. so for sure i think sometimes when people learn about what we do it's in the form of a lecture like you and i have been out to the university and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um but i really wanted it to be something more like when you're sitting down with a friend and like what's more inviting than a warm cup of coffee and you just kind of hang out and just chat and really talk about the issues and questions that people want to know about and not so much like the very technical side of things. So this is meant to be kind of laid back, more conversational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know the title Coffee with a Criminalist, the criminalist part is actually what our title is here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just a fancy way of saying a forensic scientist, but yeah. that's our official title. So that's where that criminalist comes from in our title. Yeah, and we'll probably use those terms interchangeably throughout all the episodes. Yeah. So analyst, criminalist, uh, scientist, scientist, all yeah. that will be used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. And down here, we are really fueled by a lot of coffee and caffeine, um, tea. We drink a lot of that as well. So we thought this would be a way for us to show our support for small businesses and feature local coffee shops and tea shops as a way um, 
for us to really give back to the community that we're serving and living in. Mm -hmm. And highlight like the stuff that we like to drink and just kind of give little shout outs to our community. Mm -hmm. So some things that you can expect this season. Uh, first and foremost, we wanted to get out there exactly how forensics operates in northern Nevada. We are going to do some case highlights for you guys, and we picked cases that specifically shaped forensics both locally and nationwide. Um, and we're also picking cases that can highlight new forensic technologies that are, you know, up and coming and are currently being used. And you're also going to get to talk to uh, individuals who work these jobs, the real people behind the lab coats, behind the yellow tape, and kind of our first probably four to five episodes is going to be a little bit foundational, a little bit more background, so you get a really good understanding of who we are and what we do before we, you know, throw all the fun case true crime stuff at you guys, <laughs> just so it make a little bit more sense as to, um, or kind of give you a better understanding and maybe an appreciation of the amount of work and time and effort that goes into these cases as well. Solving these cases, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we thought since we're, you're going to be spending a lot of time with us specifically this um, season and hopefully in the future that we would have you get to know us a little bit of, on the first episode. So mm -hmm. um, we're going to start it off. So Bodine, where are you from? So I was actually born in Germany. My dad was in the military and uh, they're both my mom and dad are from Reno. And so when my dad was out of the military, we came back to Reno and I have been here ever since. I went from elementary school, middle school, high school, and I even went to college here. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really homegrown, but kind of. <laughs> been here for a while. Yeah, and what about you? I grew up, well, I was born in Wyoming and then moved here when I was very young into rural Nevada, um, specifically Battle Mountain. So I've been there since I was three, so definitely Nevada homegrown, um, and then moved to here, uh, Reno, for college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you guys don't know where Battle Mountain is, um, it is a very highlightable town because it is known as what, Darby? It is uh, officially got the title, I don't know if it still does, but it did at one time, the Armpit of America. <laughs> and you guys even had like armpit festivals, right? We did. It was sponsored by Old Spice. Very cool. Uh, there was an armpit festival in the summertime. Yes, there was a couple years of that. Y'all, that's our Darby. Um, <laughs> uh, Darbs, what's your educational background? Um, I went to the university and got my bachelor's degree in biology with a minor in analytical chemistry. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also went to UNR in Reno, and I have a combined BSMS in biotechnology. Um, and how did you get into forensics? Um, forensics actually found me. I, I, I feel like maybe the universe knew that I was meant to be in this field. Um, I had graduated and there is pretty much little to no biotechnology in Reno. There's a lot of it back east and a lot of it kind of in California. And so I had a master's degree and I was working at a tanning salon. And uh, there was an email that was sent out that requested a recent graduate who would be willing to work part time and potentially do uh, their like quality control work. So any of the reagents that we use in casework have to be tested before um, and have to show that they are reliable before they're used in casework. And so that was kind of my job. I interviewed for that position and got it and really was kind kind of almost like a glorified lab rat. I just, you know, I cleaned, I, I did anything. I restocked, I, I did all that kind of stuff. And then shortly thereafter, they had a position open and I applied and was able to, to get that. Um, I have a very similar story to you, actually, was that I never had the intention of going into forensics, mm -hmm. and it definitely found me. I was in my last year at the university and applied uh, for an internship that was being done through the university. Um, 
and got that. Mm-hmm. Well, actually did not get that, uh, but then they contacted me and said, we really liked you. Would you come in and do a different internship for us? Yeah. Um, so I graduated from college on a Friday and started here on a Monday. I didn't know that part yeah. of your story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have any breaks. No, I didn't. Um, but I was unpaid here mm-hmm. when I very first started, and I was working on a validation project for um, differential extractions on a robot system mm-hmm. so yeah and then it just kind of kept going from there I had the intention of possibly leaving when my internship was done from here and going uh, to Berkeley into like wine science into making wine I had well, an she intern- gave up the alcohol <laughs> for us <laughs> I had an internship um, all lined up in like Pataluma and was gonna like when this one was done move there and start doing wine science but Again, the opportunity became available here to become a criminalist, and I've just been here ever since. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been here now? I have been here for five years now. Mm -hmm. I um, I just had my nine-year anniversary, like, last month, so I'm working on my 10th year now. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, I've been here a while. I've been here for a while, I know. Yeah, so uh, we are both actually in the biology section. So we do primary exam, DNA analysis, and uh, CODIS. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of misconceptions about our job. Yeah, I we sure. could talk a little bit about just a couple things that um, most people don't really think about being part of our job or mm-hmm. um, some misconceptions they have. So one of the biggest ones I would say is the attire, because like on all these shows, people go out and they're all in these like suits. nice suits and like skirts and heels mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but that is definitely not the case for no. us down here. We uh, wear scrubs most days. Yes. Yeah. And Especially in the lab. Oh, yeah, in the lab scrubs because you can get, like, bleach and stuff on you, and mm-hmm. you just don't want to ruin your nice clothes. Um, you certainly can wear clothes as long as you know you wear the lab coat and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. most of us, you'll see us in scrubs. Yeah. yeah. I will say if I'm in the office doing paperwork most days, then, you know, I dress a little bit nicer, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah, definitely sure. not to the status of the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get dressed up for court. We do mm-hmm. have to have court yes. attire for mm-hmm. that, you know, suit, tie, that whole. So we, we have really have to have a wide range of attire. We do. Working here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> From, like, scrub pajamas to court attire Mm -hmm. Um, and then we do a lot for the community and I know that Darby and I both volunteer for a lot of opportunities to to reach out for the community Um, I mean everything from crime lab tours and open houses to lectures at the university um, lectures at schools we just recently went to a a daycare even (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, we're there talking to you know little guys about fingerprints I mean we do a lot with the community Mm -hmm. yeah for sure. And then another big part of our jobs, not only community um, engagement, but also most people don't really think about the amount of paperwork that we have to do. Like Tons. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in the lab, you know, processing the samples, but a lot of our time is spent at our desks doing paperwork, really. Yeah, I'd say the vast majority of our time is really spent at the desk. I mean, uh, you're in the lab for a brief few hours, especially in DNA, and Mm -hmm. then it it runs on the machinery, excuse me, and then you're back at your desk, you know, prepping for the next thing or, you know, writing up reports or whatever. I'd say the the people, at least in the biology unit, that spend the most time in the lab would be primary exam, Mm -hmm. uh, CODIS as well, and then the other sections spend, I would say, probably a little bit more time in the lab or like out at crime scenes um but still universally we all do a lot of paperwork a lot of paperwork yeah Mm -hmm. for sure and then it's kind of highlighted on what you see on tv about court testimony but court testimony plays a huge role Mm -hmm. in what we do it's honestly kind of the um ultimate 
be all end all if you think about our processing is you know you do all this work in the lab in the office and then you go to court and really our um, reason for being there is to educate the jury so that the jury can make an informed decision uh, on on the verdict or uh, and so yeah a lot of people say that we like speak for the evidence like that's our job yeah is to try to get across like what it is saying essentially mm-hmm. and trying not to over speak the evidence mm-hmm. and really get across it like what our um what we can and cannot say about the evidence and mm-hmm. what our testing can show or not show mm-hmm. because we are limited by our testing capabilities mm-hmm. so sometimes we can't give you answers really yeah and then also quality assurance this is i mean everything we do is quality assurance we spend so much time making sure that we meet standards um and that we you know follow all those standards and guidelines right Mm -hmm. everything we do from our facility being secure to our evidence being secure to proficiency testing why don't you tell them about proficiency testing so proficiency testing is testing that we have to do as analysts every single year some sections more often than others but us in specifically in dna have to do at least two proficiencies a year Mm -hmm. Um, and that means that we're taking samples from a third-party company and we're processing them through our system and from beginning to the end and we're submitting those results to the company to be judged just to make sure um, that we are current and like can do our jobs mm-hmm. effectively yep and that's every six months or so that's what mm-hmm. we're that's what we're doing mm-hmm. yeah um okay after all of those other things that we've done our quality assurance our court testimony <laughs> everything uh you know there's a lot of moving parts to our jobs so darbs what do you find most satisfying i would say the most satisfying is when you get a case and they have absolutely no leads whatsoever especially like higher crimes it's really um feels good to be able to you know get a process those samples get a profile be able to maybe put it into CODIS and then give investigators a name to Mm -hmm. say like here's a lead you know you might want to go check them out and to go from them having absolutely no idea to potentially like this is your suspect Mm -hmm. um, I think is a really cool feeling especially when you get those rush cases overnight and Mm -hmm. you know it's a little bit of an adrenaline rush to you know help out Um, so I really like that that's probably one of the most satisfying things I think and also something that's not like very big but I love labeling tubes in the lab (laughs) we do not agree (laughs) on this subject I hate labeling Um, tubes like it's so satisfying like if I just need something to do that like my mind doesn't have to be like super hyper aware Mm -hmm. I just go and label tubes. I love it. I know you hate it. I do not. We actually have a machine that does it for us now. Yes, and I'm writing the protocol for it. I'm a little (laughs) bit disappointed. I love using it. Um, I would say for me, the most satisfying part of the job, I think a lot of people, when they meet me, their first thing is like, oh my gosh, you get to work on homicide cases. And yeah, we we do. We do get to work on homicide cases. Um, But when you're working with homicide cases, oftentimes there is, you know, red-brown staining, which potentially is blood, and you would expect to get a great profile from that. There's a, there's a lot of things in a homicide case that um, you would expect to get profiles from. And then, so for me, it's not that exciting on a science level, right? Like, mm-hmm. here's a blood stain. We got a profile from it. Uh, what's exciting for me is working Bergs is probably my most satisfying because burglary cases actually take a lot of effort and legwork on the officer or detective side of things, you know, to ask the questions like, 
you know, has this been touched in a really long time? You know, that padlock over there has been broken. You know, do you think that's part of like, did they do a lot of legwork? And then they submit swabs um, or items that don't really have biological staining, but maybe have touch DNA left behind by somebody who's handled the item. And so swabbing those types of things and kind of having to think outside the box, like, you know, how was this item, how close could this item be used mm -hmm. and swabbing those areas and then getting sometimes phenomenal profiles that we can enter into CODIS and get leads that way. That to me is awesome. That's probably my most satisfying. I say that's, I mean, you make a very good point because a lot of times when we're processing touch things, it really is like, you just don't know. You don't know. Like you, mm -hmm. a lot of the times we don't get good profiles, mm -hmm. but then when you do get a really, it's, it's so exciting. Nice. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh yeah. And you know, to know that you also, sometimes there's items where you're looking at them and you're like, you know, maybe it was used this way. And then you swab that one part and you get this great profile. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It swabs the right area. Yeah. That's probably the, the other most satisfying thing for me. Um, and then Darbs, what is your least favorite thing about our job? Uh, my least favorite thing would definitely have to be concentrating and amping samples by hand. When we amp on robots, that's not as big of a deal, but mm -hmm. um, concentrating, there is, we don't have a robotic automated system for that. It's all by hand and always has been. Mm -hmm. And so that one, and it takes a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very, that. very tedious. Yes. And it takes a lot of concentration. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely has to be my least favorite. How about you? Um, I used to not like that a lot. And I can agree. And, I, and when we say that we, it takes concentration, you guys, um, we move, we are expert movers of small volumes of liquid. Yes. And you have to move a very small amount of liquid to a very specific well. <laughs> so yes. it takes like so much concentration. Um, so I used to agree with you on that. Um, I think recently... This is kind of silly. I don't even know why it's my least favorite thing. But um, labs can process or have their daily working however they kind of want, um, as long as you're meeting the standards. And the way that we have it set up right now is that at the end process, you have to take what we call work product, which is kind of the aftermath of the evidence. So what the piece that was actually extracted, we call it a substrate. Um, and then the extract or liquid that comes out of that. And we have to grab those and then put them back with the parent item and then take all the evidence back. It sounds simple. Sometimes it's not. We work in batches. And so we have uh, cryo boxes in refrigerators that are marked for batches. So you have to go find the batch box, find your tubes, find your substrates, find your parent items. Um, and everything's always there. I mean, it, it's a great process. It works pretty seamlessly. It's just like knowing that I'm done and my report is written and I'm so ready for it to have that official sign off and it can't be done until then. I'm like, oh, I just dread it. And it does take quite a bit of time. It especially does. Especially in the like, you know, if you have a couple samples or, you know, a couple items of evidence, it's not that you know, time-consuming, yeah. mm -hmm. but when you start getting into these, like, big cases with, like, tons of items of evidence and tons of substrates and tons of extracts, it takes it takes a good amount of time. It does. It can take you half the morning, mm -hmm. especially oh, yeah. if you let your cases, like, kind of – I'll up. go, like, three or four cases at a time just so I can be in that mode. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it'll take a few hours. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> does. You don't think it would, but it does. It does. Um, speaking of processing things, when you're in the lab working, do you like to listen to any types of music? I do. I have to have some sweet jams going. Um, like we talked about, it takes a lot of concentration uh, to move those very small amounts of liquid into very specific wells. And uh, 
I cannot have silence. I mean, the silence is like deafening for me. And we don't have silence here. We have like white noise because we have these big vents above us. And you hear <sighs> with like the airflow coming through. Yep. Um, so I, I can't handle the silence. So I have a couple of Pandora stations that I really like. Um, I I really like Chainsmokers Pandora. And I interact with mine a lot. So that's probably my favorite right now. Um yeah, those are that one. And um, oh, friendship is another one that I really like. It's just kind of like chill. It's like vibing in the lab. Yeah, <laughs> same. What about you? Um, yes, I also think it's, it helps me like get into the zone too. Mm-hmm. Because not only, yeah, I like the white noise and stuff like that. I'm not a huge fan. But um, other people too, because we work, you know, we're not the only ones in a lab at yeah. one time. So it can get distracting. And there's, you know, phone calls going on. There's paging happen and happening. So when you're in a task, a lot of times you don't want to be disturbed at mm-hmm. all. And so I find music helps me really like focus focus on that stuff. Um, and I really, one of my favorite probably of all time is Khalid yeah. to put on his album. Mm-hmm. And just because it's that chill vibe, but like mm-hmm. good music, like upbeat still too. Um, and then I have a couple Spotify playlists that I really like. I think there's um, chill hits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those are those are my favorite. To you had on. an Imagine Dragon station for a while. That was pretty bomb I too. I did. That was mm-hmm. my. But that was before I switched to Spotify. It was mm-hmm. my Pandora, and I had the Imagine Dragon station like dialed in. Yeah. Everyone appreciated that station, yeah. which it made was, me feel really good. It was really good. And then. Um, we some we have to clean the lab every month, and so we usually ask Darby to be our music person. She has like the best stuff. Like Darby, give us some jams while we're scrubbing the lab. <laughs> I was trying to do like the mood booster ones, so we yeah. get some like pumped, happy hits going on, <laughs> so we can clean the lab. Yeah, um, I know. So we can either use like headphones. A lot of us have headphones because mm-hmm. there's multiple people, but we also have speakers, and I love putting the speakers on blast. Like if I'm in yes. there by myself, because um, my ear f- headphones always seem to fall out of my ears but mm-hmm. that's my favorite is to just put it on blast listen I'm sure really the love other music. sections love us when we have that i'm sure they hate us <laughs> it I just helps though to it totally helps me uh okay so darbs why don't you tell us who you are outside of the lab like what hobbies do you have like about your family whatever you want to share yeah, I have one older sister, so it was just us. She's quite a bit older than me. I shouldn't say quite a bit. She might not like that. Um, she's eight <laughs> years older than me, and she lives in Colorado. But uh, growing growing up here, we were always pretty outdoorsy, so I'm really into kayaking right now. We snowshoe quite a bit in the winter times. I know we live here in um, t- around Tahoe, and everyone likes to ski and snowboard, but that is just not my jam. I agree with you on that one. I, I don't do it either. I have tried, and that just, no, it's not my thing, so I'll stick to my uh, snowshoeing. I do have a dog. I adopted a golden doodle about mm, three years ago now. The dudes. The dudes. <laughs> um, and she has been quite the adventure, and I love her dearly, and I can't imagine my life without her now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, so I was recently married. I got married last year and uh, I bought a house uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago now. And so me and my wife are spending a lot of time doing house projects. I love DIY. My wife does not appreciate DIY as much as I do. <laughs> but you're so good at it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so we do a lot of house projects together. Um, 
And I'm a, a big foodie, so it, COVID was hard, honestly, to not be able to go out and do, um, you know, food and, and that kind of stuff. And so I've been missing a little bit of that, but we've been trying to do some takeout and stuff. So I love to try new restaurants. Um, we, I have two dogs and we have a cat as well, so they keep us pretty busy. And I like to be outdoors as well. I love to hike. I love to join you on your kayaking adventures. Um, yeah, and then traveling you travel oh yes i travel was, too that was a big one i mean yeah. we haven't done it in a while so it kind of COVID. forgot about it um but yeah traveling is a huge part of my life actually mm-hmm. and we bodine and i actually got the opportunity to travel abroad we spent about two weeks was it mm-hmm. traveling um through ireland scotland and iceland yeah and so that was a really fun experience mm-hmm. we got to have and what would you say is like your favorite country that you've been to I honestly couldn't give you a favorite. <laughs> I couldn't. Um, I Iceland just, I had no expectation of Iceland, uh-huh. I guess. It was kind of like this place that we have, we were passing through. Um, and I just was blown away by the everything that was there and how cool it is as a country and have been back several times. So um, that one blew me away. But I really like, I love Amsterdam. I mm-hmm. loved Scotland. Um so I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could pick a favorite. And I just recently, well, not recently, but right before COVID hit, just got back from New Zealand. Um, and that was really cool. So yeah. No. What about you? Any favorites? Yeah, I think it's a toss up for me between um, Rome and Scotland. Specifically, I really loved Isle of the Sky. I, mm-hmm. I think that my soul resides there. It yes. is just the calmness. We stayed at these really cool cow sheds that had been converted into like uh, livable spaces. And waking up that morning and having my tea and it was just, oh, I just loved it. And the hiking was beautiful. Um, and then Rome, I mean, Italian food, like how do you, you, you can't beat that. <laughs> can't like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those, those are probably my two faves, but, uh, we were supposed to go to Greece on our honeymoon and that got canceled. And so we are trying to make that happen this year. I'm hoping that we can get, get back there. Uh, what is your next trip? Uh, my next trip is hopefully there's a group of my friends that are all turning 30 next Mm -hmm. year. So young. (laughs) And, uh, we are really hoping, you know, with COVID and everything, but that we can plan our trip. We're going, we want to go to Bora Bora and rent some of those huts over the water and just kind of, you know, start our thirties off. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're also a very creative person, right? Um, yeah. And you like to do like arts and crafts and stuff. I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really into ceramics Mm -hmm. in college. I took a ceramics class. Unfortunately, haven't really been able to do much of that since I've been out of college but Mm -hmm. it's something that I really want to get back into because I was shocked not to toot my own horn but how good I was actually making you have some of it at work yeah it's good um they looked you know like actual vases and Mm -hmm. teapots and stuff like that versus you know when you think of making cup or like yeah a janky little plate you know (laughs) yeah um so I shocked myself with that one and have really wanted to get back into doing Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's important because we use so much of one side of our brain here at work there's really like there's not a lot of creativity I mean you can't be creative in the lab no you, you, <laughs> you can't. can't take creative liberties no no <laughs> so I think it's really important that's like I think that's why I do so many like DIY projects and stuff mm-hmm. too to just try and be creative that way and I think that's also why I wanted to do this project so much was an opportunity to kind of blend the both my worlds together and your world too that we could have a creative kind of touch on or spin on mm-hmm. science on science yeah mm-hmm. I really like that And then I have this question because you and I both kind of had a similar story about getting into forensics, but we were both really young Mm -hmm. coming into a field. 
um, with kind of that presented a lot of challenges. So this was both of our, I like to say first, you know, big kid kid. jobs. So how did you feel about the challenges and do you think it affected you in any way coming into this job so young? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, You know, people who get into this field tend to stay in this field and they tend to stay for a long time. Um, So when I came on board, I was the closest age gap I had between anybody in my section was 10 years. And then the largest was about 25 years. And so I think the first thing that I noticed the most was I had just graduated from grad school and a lot of my friends went on to leave and to go get PhDs elsewhere. And, um, you know, at that point, you're, you've kind of moved on from some of your high school friends and things. And so coming here and being so young and, you know, a lot of people had families and kids. I think my first thing I noticed was kind of a level of loneliness. Um, I noticed and I, I didn't have, I mean, everybody here was very welcoming and very friendly, but kind mm-hmm. of on that level of connectivity, um, that was hard. And then it's also, it can be intimidating to come in as the new person um, and you're so much younger than everyone else and you don't relate on a personal level. And then you have, I was still very green, very out of college. I mm-hmm. thought everything was so exciting and I would relate all of our DNA stuff back to stuff I learned in college. And I'd be this, oh, they probably were so annoyed with me, like <laughs> bringing up genes and all this stuff. Um, so I think that was kind of the first thing I noticed. It's kind of how, um, I made bonds with people in other sections, I think, cause I kind of saw out other people of my same age. Um, And I learned very quickly that I kind of was not as prepared uh, world-wise. Does that make sense? Like you Mm -hmm. learn very quickly, not even just like the ugliness of society, but just how the world works. I mean, you learn so much so fast. And so I think I wasn't maybe very prepared for that either. It was kind of a little bit of a shell shock, like, whoa, this is how this all works, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Yeah, what about you? How did it feel for you? I would say very similar in the sense that, you know, like you come into this job and a lot of our job is being critiqued. Like that's part of our job. Mm -hmm. You know, another analyst critiques your, well, you know, has to agree with your work and make Mm -hmm. sure you... Reviews it. Reviews Mm -hmm. it. There's a lot of those those conversations. And so I wouldn't say like there's confrontation, but it it is like this back and forth. And Mm -hmm. so I would say it has helped me grow a lot. Yes. um, For sure as like a person Mm -hmm. um, and having to be you know, there's a lot of pressures to get things right because sometimes you only have one shot with this mm-hmm. and there is a lot of pressure because you're potentially dealing with a big outcome mm-hmm. um, based on these samples. So I it made me grow up a lot, I would say, mm-hmm. in a kind of a short period of time and not that I was immature to begin with, but yeah, when you're, you know, you just get out of college, you're mm-hmm. fresh off, you know, just going to class and being responsible for yourself um well not everyone but that was my experience so I yeah it was a lot of a really big time of growth for me especially in five years I would not probably recognize myself the Mm -hmm. the person that I was when I started this job to the person that I am now Mm -hmm. for sure and I think it's it's a job with such a level of seriousness I mean Mm -hmm. there is such a seriousness to what we do um, you know, like coming out of college, which is, is serious, but it's a, it's a lot of fun as well, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Um, and then working at the tanning salon, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I think um, 
not only getting a job and a full-time job, but a job that is very serious, that what you do is very serious and how precise and um, direct you have to be with what you're doing was it can be stressful. Mm-hmm. And I will say at a very young age, I had to learn to deal with stress. A lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that too. And yeah. I would say that, you know, looking at my friends and stuff and they maybe went on to grad school or went into different careers and I guess didn't get into their quote unquote careers until a little bit later mm-hmm. in life and didn't really start experiencing those levels of stress with having career jobs mm-hmm. until like a little bit later. And um, now I'm like, oh yeah, like I've felt that. I knew what that was like mm-hmm. and having those experiences a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it was interesting too. I think we both can relate to the fact that um, we worked with individuals that watched us grow up. Yes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we came in so young and some of the things we didn't know or didn't realize. Um, and now the group of people that, you know, we work with and have worked with for so long really saw us grow and become, I mean, I hate to say it, but like become adults and for go sure. through some big life stuff. And it's been, it's been a fun ride. I have mm-hmm. to say, I, I, I wouldn't change it. I really wouldn't. I think it made me grow in the best ways possible. Um, and, you know, just maybe did it a little bit faster than I was kind of expecting to right out of the, yeah. <laughs> the gates. And I would definitely say that because, I mean, I think, you you know, that time in your 20s is really a time of growth Mm -hmm. anyways. Um, But then being here, too, and with all of these different things going on, I really found it not super challenging, but it challenged me as a person Mm -hmm. to grow up and, you know, figure out who I was and how to deal with these things that, Mm -hmm. you know, most people may not have to deal with ever or deal with maybe a little bit later in Mm -hmm. life and like you were saying those conversations that you have in tech review and even in training when they're telling you hey you're not doing this right or this you should be doing it this way Mm -hmm. um you're given at a young age an opportunity i say young but it was like 23 i think that's young i think yeah personally i think it's pretty Mm -hmm. really young uh you're given an opportunity to have some of those hard conversations about yourself soon like Mm -hmm. right out the gates and figure out you know what are my shortcomings how do i fix that how do i adjust and like I said, it's tough, especially mm-hmm. at 23, but man, I feel like it was really beneficial for me. I think so too. And you're saying, you know, like the tech review, having those conversations, but especially when you're so new and so out of college, you lack experience. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you can't help that you lack experience. Mm-hmm. And so when you first get signed off and you're doing your first couple cases, I know I felt a little bit, you know, young and you have, you're talking to these people who have 25, mm-hmm. 20, 20 years, even 10 years of experience on you. And you have to kind of like find your voice yes mm-hmm. and approach and stand them your ground and, or, and, or be willing to change yes mm-hmm. yeah and kind of have those tough conversations and it can be intimidating mm-hmm. to talk to these people but you know you have to really I would say this job has built my confidence a lot for absolutely sure. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is good before you even get to court right like do it yes, here do it here <laughs> yeah, yeah. get a lot of practice here and then yeah. you have to go to court yep okay so our next question is do you take your work home with you I do not so much physically because we can't kind of, you know, pick up our stuff and take it home with us. Um, Some paperwork we do every once in a while. But yeah, I would say like in a mental capacity for sure, you know, because when you work on a case that kind of resonates with you Mm -hmm. a little bit, whether it's a person who is around my age or a similar lifestyle or something like that, that you kind of think about those things. Mm -hmm. And not only that, that our job is but we're doing this job in our community and we live and, you know, we are in these communities. Mm-hmm. And so um, it really kind of does sometimes take make me take a step back and be like, you know, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. It could have been one of my friends. It could have been my mm-hmm. family. And so sometimes I definitely think it's made me think of 
things in that sense yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, and I think, I think for me on a different level, I take home, we, and, and maybe one thing I didn't realize about this job before coming into it is we are so important in the decision-making like that. That's what we do. We choose how samples are processed. Um, and like obviously we operate within thresholds and things like that that are validated but there are sometimes samples that are right on the line that you can send it through one round of processing or send it through the other and there's those discussions that happen in the office and i would say i'm somebody that probably lays in bed at night rethinking like okay like yeah yeah i I sent that sample this way that that was a good thing or i you know i re-evaluate my decisions and um think about the actual processes and things like that and i would say that you do get the hard cases. I mean, that's this. That's just our job. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. gonna hear and see and um, work with things that are really tough. And so I think I uh, got into yoga, which I felt was a very good stress reliever and in, um, a way for me to kind of release some of that maybe stored energy just based on what we're dealing with every day. Um, but yeah, I would say on that level, I definitely take it home. Yeah, when you're saying, in fact, it just happened to me the other day where I woke up out of dead sleep. At mm-hmm. like five o'clock in the morning and was thinking about this mixture that I was yeah. working on. And I like popped up out of bed. I texted my coworker who was going to review it. And mm-hmm. she was already at work at that time. And I was like, hey, can you just put it back on my desk? I want a second look because I had this epiphany mm-hmm. in my brain. But I don't know if it was, you know, one of those dream epiphanies yeah. <laughs> where it makes yeah. c- complete sense in, in your the dream. Moment, but yeah. then the more you think about it and consciousness you're like this was really stupid I don't know why this yes even occurred to me yeah. but um so yeah that definitely happened to me the other morning at five o'clock in the morning yeah um what has this job changed for you outside of work oh man um this is like a weird way to answer this question <laughs> um so I look at my own life a little bit differently um we deal with this community's dirty laundry and and materials right like we look at so much clothing we look at items from a home we go into homes um, not us but like fis and so i think the biggest thing to change for me is to kind of stop and evaluate the quality of um maybe some of my undergarments uh, because you know if they're getting tattered or or door maybe it's time to toss them um and there have been days when i look at my house and i look at my wife and i say you know, uh, if our house got burgled right now, I don't think I could call for help because <laughs> I don't know if I would want our home photographed in the state of mess it's in. And I was like, you should always call for help. Yes, yes. always call, always call, and, you know, have it, know. have it looked at. Um, but I think that for me that I, I kind of stop and I think, oh, you know, I what if I was a, a victim of a crime? Mm-hmm. Uh, would I be comfortable right now with the state that my vehicle is in or <laughs> And it, it may seem like a trivial, small thing, but mm-hmm. it kind of, I feel like, plays into this bigger sense in that, like, you just don't know when things can happen. Yeah, Like, exactly. you truly don't know, and you're never expecting to become a victim, right? No. So I think that puts, for me, it put it in a little bit of perspective, mm-hmm. and I think some of those things, the same things as you do, but I think it's more of that bigger picture of mm-hmm. just, like, you know it could really happen to anyone at mm-hmm. any time. And and I think also you've touched on it before too. Like we kind of think twice about where we park our cars, Yes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just, I remember, you know, being young when I first started here and, you know, my girlfriend still wanted to go out or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, make a buddy system. Don't go alone. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk to strangers. My friends always make fun of me because I'm like, don't get murdered. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not jo- like not to make light of that situation exactly. or like anything, but just, 
You know, like you see that on a daily basis. Just be aware of your surroundings. But just Mm -hmm. to be aware. And I think that's the biggest thing that has made me Mm -hmm. is maybe just a little bit more aware Mm -hmm. of um, where you are and what you're doing and the people that are around you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, What makes you smile every day at work, Darbs? It definitely. I'm fortunate enough to be able to work with a lot of my friends Mm -hmm. and um, some really, really cool people. So I would definitely say those people mm-hmm. when I come into work, um, just getting to hang, not hang out, but like interact with those people and hear about their lives and um, kind of they bring a lightness to the darkness that yes. we, that is our job, I would mm-hmm. say. How about you? I'd have to agree. I think it's the people and, you know, you see it all the time on, on different things that like the people make your job. People mm-hmm. are why you stay. Um, and I'd have to say that and I'm very... I'm in the same boat as you that we're very lucky to have great people that we work with, but I'm also very blessed, I think, to say that some of those coworkers have become almost like family to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people here that I, like I said, I've traveled the world with you. I've traveled the world with um, other individuals from our section. And I just, I feel like I've made um, really good friendships with individuals. And Mm -hmm. that's what makes me smile is getting to come in and and see those people and be like, hey, how are you? Yeah. And not only do we work with them, but like really have become friends with a lot of people outside of work too. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's really cool when you get to see those people every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's it for this first episode. We hope you guys enjoy and tune in in for our future episodes. Yeah. Bye guys. Wash OS one. That's one. Go ahead. I'm Sheriff Darren Balaam. Thank you for listening to another episode of Washoe County Sheriff's Office Copy with a Criminalist. This podcast is one more way our office is striving to build trust and partnerships within the community that we serve. To learn more about our office, please visit us on the web at washoesheriff.com. If you'd like to further support this project, click subscribe and be sure to tune in for our next episode to learn even more about forensics. Until next time, folks. Washoe, this is S1. I'll be 1042. Have a good night. S1. Copy. Have a good night.